Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today, we're going to be discussing Chapter 10 of Book 1 of Return of the King, which is the last chapter of both Book 1 of Return of the King and Book 5 of Lord of the Rings. Now, if you remember from the end of last week's episode, Book 5 is The War of the Ring. As always, we are going to quickly go over to Katie, who is going to educate us with uh, the Elvish word of the day and give us a brief history lesson on this day in Middle Earth. I'm going to swing over to Chase, at whom I am pointing, although you at home cannot see this. (laughs) And Chase will briefly catch us up with the uh, debating events of last week. I say debate, but everyone was fairly... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't really call it... A, I, I call it a debate in the sense that people were gathered together talking at each other. Yes. It was a, it was a communion. That's uh, better, yeah. Then we will spend the majority of today discussing, once again, that is Chapter 10, The Black Gate Opens. After that, we'll briefly touch upon our favorite moments, both from the past week's reading and the past week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right. Well, since last we met, another chapter we have read. Indeed, as we always do. Yeah, pretty much. So today, Katie is... Wait, yes. Today, Katie is August 11th. I am August 11th. Yeah, you're saying that like it's her birthday. (laughs) I mean, August is a first name for women. And much like the New York Times, uh, former New York Times, I should say, journalist Jennifer Lee, numbers can be middle names. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, August 11, Sabo, would you take it away? Uh, sure, I would love to. So uh, this past week, uh, once again, to just catch us up a little bit. Um, in this past week, uh, Bilbo and the dwarves are still on the forest trail in Mirkwood. Uh, we're still in that uh, happenings. Uh, on on the 8th was the, the day Nights Without Lights. Um, so if we remember, like, all the lights went out. Because they were following lights and seeing like this weird dinner party thing happening, and then they, yeah, and then the elves, oh, were, playing, oh, the elves yes, were laughing yes, yes. and playing tricks on them. Um, and then later on, the elves accused them of like, "Why did you keep storming our festival?" <laughs> right. Uh, on the tenth, uh, sad day, the funeral of King Theoden, uh, and that's in our current story. Interesting. And, so the funeral happened quite after he actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, today on the 11th, uh, let's see, uh, Bilbo and the dwarves are once again on the forest trail in Mirkwood uh, in the year 2941. Uh, If we fast forward to 3018, Frodo is still planning his departure. uh, And in that's all I'm going to tell you. (laughs) It was both a really active time and a not so active time. Yeah, it was the most active of times. It was it the was least the active. Least active, of active I, I realized times. what I was saying when I yeah <laughs> after I said it. You guys, you guys, let's do some uh, some some fanfic in which we integrate the works of Charles Dickens and J.R.R. Tolkien. That might work. I literally was looking at Tale of Two Cities today and thought about <laughs> buying it and rereading it. <laughs> we rewrite it to be about uh, Minas Tirith and Minas Morgul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Which it one is London? Work. But that's that's another podcast. <laughs> oh Lord, another uh, podcast. Yes. So, Katie, any words for us today? Yes, uh, I actually am going to give you two words because uh, the one I chose, and but but I want to. I well, not. I mean, not two words really. Well, I guess two words. Two different languages is what I'm going to give you. Um, 
So the first one is cinderin, and uh, it's an adjective, and the word is thar. Thar? Yeah. You know, I just realized it's appropriate that it's called cinderin because they're, it's an elvish language, not a dwarvish language, so they are sin durin. Seen means without in Spanish. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't no. speak Spanish. Sorry. Oh no. Sorry, sorry. Sans <laughs> dehon. No. But but anyway. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, thar the Cinderin word means foul, detestable, abhorrent, abominable. Appropriate. Yeah. Always appropriate. How do you, now? How do you say snowman? In Cinderin. I'm not sure. I'm I'm actually not certain. <laughs> that's surprising. Uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps we can make one that's an amalgamation of the words for snow and man. Um, but then I wanted to also give you the Quenyan uh, version of this word. So uh, the Quenyan version is saura. Oh, hey. oh like sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, and that me uh, the translation being foul, evil smelling, or putrid. Uh, and so, fun fact: what does this sound kind of like? But s- the name Sauro or Sauron to me it sounds like Gothmog, <laughs> also meaning cruel. Wait, so, so how did Saruman float by and no one just said your name sounds weird? Or was that because is he being uh, named post the story? I, I mean, Gandalf is Mithrandir, and that's true. Yeah, names mean things. Just, I'm just curious about when they were. Anyway, I was <laughs> named. I was named Jonathan because Jonathan means whom the Lord gave, and I was a surprise. But you weren't named Jonathan. You were named Johanthan. Okay, I I was my my given name is not the same as my legal name because it's a typo. I know. Regardless. I was a surprise baby. My mom knew she was pregnant because she vomited while eating a steak. Okay, uh, and we we have we have crossed the threshold into TMI. Uh, so Chase. Anyway, actually, I was just while we're still talking about this, I looked up all of the names for Saruman. Kurunir, Kurumo. Oh, I like this one. Sharky, 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 Sharky. Look at it. Sharky NATO. Like the DC oh character? Okay. Man of skill, the white messenger, the head of the white council, and the lord of Isengard. I'm just going to call him Sharky. Hey, hey, hey. They left one out there. Which is? Uh, the something about werewolves from Summer that's, that's Sauron. We were talking about Saruman. Damn it. That's or at least right. you mentioned Saruman. That's I, true. You're right. I, I figured. Now that makes were... much more sense now, yeah. by the way. Anyway. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different spelling, so... Christopher Sharky Lee. Anyway, no. so um, so last week, that's what we're talking about, right? Yes. So last week was the final debate, but it didn't really feel like much of a debate. And it started off with Gimli and Legolas ascending the steps in uh, Minas Tirith to meet up with Merry and Pippin. And Sorry, the way that you said that, it was like very Dantean to me. Like they're, yeah. They're ascending, you know? Yeah, they're hitting like the, the, the woods, of suicide woods or whatever. Anyway. Except there are only seven rings to the city, not nine. No. Yep. And so they're having a conversation about like fixing the city, growing more gardens. Also, Legolas says this craziness about not seeing seagulls. And 
they meet up with Mary and Pippin and Mary and Pippin asking about the way of the dead and Gimli's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that horrible, horrible situation that left me so fearful and uh, deranged and I don't want to ever talk about it or speak of it again. And Legolas is like, yeah, I'll talk about it. I don't feel fear. And so he spoke <laughs> about it, which was interesting because it talked a lot about like how the ghosts, the army of the dead scared people into basically dying of their own volition in weird ways. And... <laughs> It was it was odd, but also when the way was clear for them, the Aragorn said, "Hey, y'all, who are dead, uh, you did good," and they they dissipated. Uh, and then everyone in the area was like, "Okay, cool. We're not afraid of that anymore. We're gonna go help you take down the armies of Mordor." And then we saw what happens after that. And then it jumps over to the like captains or the leaders of the situation right now in their tents outside of Minas Tirith. And they discuss what they're going to do next. They basically talk about how they're going to use deception, where they're going to continue making sure that Sauron has his eye specifically on them and not keeping watch over Frodo and Sam. And so they're going to send every last potential person that they can to go fight a battle at the black gates or I don't you know now that I think about it and after reading this chapter I don't think they necessarily think it's going to necessarily be a battle they're just kind of assuming the worst yeah they know what they need to do which is a distraction so well and there's that bit that I really liked where Gandalf was like well the prudent thing would be to hold ourselves up and make our last stand and I think it was Imrahil yeah who was like well Maybe, but shouldn't we do something? And Gandalf is like, you fool! I said the prudent thing, not the thing we should do. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so we meet them then two days later where the, and I love this, the Army of the West. Yeah. Mic drop. Uh, was all assembled on the Pelennor. Yeah, so uh, again, we've got about 7,000 men uh, that is going to set out for Mordor. Uh, this is leaving uh, a small number of, of men behind at Minas Tirith to guard the city, of course. Um, and at, at this point, like most of the, like all of the enemy that were here for, you know, at the battle of the Pelennor, um, they're gone. They've scattered. There's, there's not an enemy in sight. Yeah. And they have left a trail of destruction behind them, of course. Right, right. And also, I wanted to remind, remark that 7,000 men ain't a whole no. lot. Yeah. It's especially for as they went into last chapter, the unspeakable possible horrors that might lie behind the Black Gates that we can't even comprehend exactly. at this moment. So, what happens but someone who hates getting left out? Gets left, gets left out. out. Yeah, our poor, uh, our poor friend Mary is too injured to join in this last march against against Mordor, and. But I like how Aragorn like sugarcoats it though. He's like, "Listen, I'm taking Pippin <laughs> with me. Uh, he's going to represent your entire race. Mm-hmm. Also, while Pippin has done a lot." He has not slain the witch king. (laughs) So, Mary, you've done your part. Yeah, Aragorn comforts Mary, and he he 
kind of bolsters him a lot. You know, he's... In fact, I just realized upon like looking at the text again to say this, that it was Aragorn upon my first reading. I just assumed it was Gandalf. No, no. Yeah, it was Aragorn. But... I, I mean, I think I just assumed it was Gandalf because it was like somebody who was like comforting Mary and like pointing out like his strength and, you know, like his achievements and what he's done. So like previously we've talked about, you know, ascribing kind of noble features to Aragorn. And was it like two chapters ago in the Houses of Healing where somebody was like saw characteristics of Gandalf and Aragorn? Wasn't it Mary himself? Yes. Who said that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I really like that without even realizing it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, so, th- yeah, that was a, a really nice moment. And, but uh, alas, poor Mary has to watch them go and he feels ashamed. And um, I kind of really liked this. Uh, so he, he's, he's watching them go and then kind of realizes this, this horrible pain and his arm comes back. And Bergil, who, again, is Baragon's son, was with him, and he uh, said oh, I loved he's going to take him back Bergil to the healers. Was, because Bergil was Pippin's friend, and now he's Mary's Ex- yeah. friend. Ah! Yeah, yeah, so, Solid uh, yeah, stuff. just great. But uh, so he, but I, I really like what Bergil says as well. He says uh, of he says of of the men, you know, that they're watching leave. He says, uh, "But do not fear; they will come back. The men of Minas Tirith will never be overcome." And now they have the Lord Elfstone and Baragond of the Guard too. So um, it's it's nice to it's nice to see that perspective of this kid. Um, he was like, they have my exactly. daddy. Exactly. But, and also, you know, I mean, yeah, they have my daddy, but also, uh, you know, the Lord Elfstone is, is here now to lead us. Um, and, and, and also I think, you know, so they have their leader now, but I think it's also saying something about the men of Minas Tirith too, that, um, that they're resilient. Um, so what I, so, the, um, I, they basically go straight to Osgiliath, and I love this because it says that they kind of get to work repairing the fortifications that Sauron had made using his own weapons of war against him because Sauron had been busy at work trying to cross the river, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. there are like some temporary bridges here and like a bunch of boats left over that we can use to our advantage. They were very sarcastic. Which again, like that. Um, <laughs> again, that's something that like I find so perfect about about the events that unfold in the in this book. Uh, use you know using the enemy's devices against him. Yeah, I mean it. It shows that, uh, you know, Sauron his his lieutenant was from Star Wars Episode Two, <laughs> and not from Star Wars Episode Four. Because if Peter Cushing had been his lieutenant, then clearly Sauron would have watched the bridge on the River Kwai, and he'd know that you blow that stuff up. What the? I don't even know what the hell that meant. <laughs> Peter, Peter Cushing was in the bridge. Yeah, on the I know Kwai. that, but it was just—it was just when, that was a that was a backflip of logic. Uh, what I, 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 I'm a loss for words. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so you know they they have made camp at Asgiliath and uh, the, they are kind of checking out. And again, they don't meet any uh, opposing forces yet. I quickly just wanted to say that actually what this really reminded me of was 
the famous campaign where Julius Caesar was invading kind of Gaul and, and, mm-hmm. and the, the Celt, mm-hmm. the Celtic lands, and he built a, a bridge over the Rhine. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yay, Caesar. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There you go. Uh, I just wanted to confirm the river. I was looking up yeah. on my phone. I, like, <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was the Rhine, but I'm actually going to be talking about the Rhine later on in my favorite things. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't uh, tempering myself. Preview of coming attractions. Uh, and I and so also at this time, again, great, love it. Aragorn sends trumpeters uh, to the four. Yeah, this part got super biblical. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah, really did. It, it, yeah. Um, and they marched around they, the city for seven days no, and seven nights. But you know, again, they he sends trumpeters and they all you know go they go to the four roads that are leading out into the trees, and they say the lords of Gondor have returned and all this land that is theirs they take back, and uh, so in addition to this we have this wonderful symbol of they remember that uh, that statue that. Uh, Frodo and Sam had come across several chapters ago uh, with the headless statue of the king um, that's with the crown, you know, of like star-like yes. flowers. Oh, I, 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 lo- I love this part. Can I read this part, <laughs> yeah. please? Please, 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 please. I love this part so much. <laughs> well, we, we skipped like a page and a half of notes. So can I quickly just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So as they are getting to this part, like there's this growing sense of unease. And it says, no sign of any enemy roads, sorry, no sign of any enemy had they seen, nor cry or call had been heard. No shaft had sped from rock or thicket by the way. Yet ever as they went forward, they felt the watchfulness of the land increase. I specifically want to note that too, because that was weird. Well, you literally cut me off before my Oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Watchfulness of the land increased. Tree and stone, blade and leaf were listening. The darkness had been dispelled and far away westward sunset was on the Vale of Anduin and the white peaks of mountains blushed in the blue air, but a shadow and a gloom brooded upon the Efeldwath. A imagery that comes to mind with this part is the eye of the storm. Mm-hmm. It's everything. Everything is calm, but it seems too calm. Yeah. Everything is super on edge. I imagine they're all. And so then there's kind of a, disagreement about which direction they should take and it is uh Imrahil who suggests like they're going by Minas Morgul and Imrahil is like why don't we just take this path and Gandalf's like no 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 no, no, no. and they're like uh uh-huh. well huh? well first let's 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 say what what I actually was starting to get into and it's that they replace the head of this statue on the yeah, king. but this section is before they replace the head of the statue where they almost they almost stumble across the path to Kirith Ungol yeah. I'm pretty sure it's right after. Oh, you know you're right. It's immediately after. <laughs> like literally the not last don't, paragraph. Don't question this is... my <laughs> encyclopedic. Forget all that. This is why you are on the podcast. <laughs> Move back. So, so uh, yeah. So we come across this statue that, again, Frodo and Sam had seen uh, several chapters prior. And... Uh, they now set the the king's head back on his shoulders and clean the statue and are you know washing away these kind of crude drawings that had been made and this is just such a great symbol uh again restoring gondor to 
what it was and sh- and should be and that uh it's 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 this group of people who are being led by their king though he's he has not declared himself as their king yet but being led by their king and the 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 point the big part of that that i liked the most was the fact that the the flowers that form the 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 crown on its head stay yeah. there there's something very important about that. That it's interesting that they stay there. Now, usually Tolkien, when they have these moments, kind of says, "And they stayed there forever after." But he doesn't <laughs> do that right here. He holds off from saying that. But I'm assuming that's what happens. <sighs> but yeah, great, great moment. And so yes, so now the, then the moment I jumped the gun on, uh, where they're like, "Well, we should go to Ms. Myrtle." And basically, Gandalf is like, not saying why they shouldn't go, but basically. If what he had heard from Faramir was true, then the last thing they should do is draw the eye of, eye of Sauron to Kirith Ungol. Also, there's a giant eel sp- 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 spider there. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Again, our goal is to distract uh, the eye from the ring bearer. So what they do instead is they actually still go to the city and they just kind of sack it and burn some fields. And then they're on their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh and then this is where the this is where the trumpets blow and Emer Hill. Yes, oh, okay. yeah, so, so now, yes. you know, they're they're riding on and um ag- again we get another mention of this kind of weird gloom that's resting over them and um that it's just kind of always hanging there and you know, they're they're getting closer and closer to Mordor and Gandalf tells the heralds to once again sound the trumpets and so they do but then Imrahil says no no say this specifically he says uh say not the lords of gondor say the king elisar for that is true even though he is not yet sat upon the throne and it will give the enemy more thought if the heralds use that name so again Imrahil is a smart dude can we title this episode going going gondor <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so basically they're kind of, and it's Imrahil who says this, you know, even if he hasn't taken his throne, the king has returned. And right. we can use this kind of to weaponize Sauron's hatred and fear. Right. Um, and so they do. This is like when you know you're going to run into your ex, so you bring like your hottest friend and pretend you're on a date. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, hello, this is Pierre. He's six foot seven. Yes. Six foot seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to start bringing a herald with me uh, to announce that as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so they do. The heralds do. They 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 say, you know, as once again, uh, the, the King Elisar is here. Um, but do they get a response from the no. enemy? No. no. That's the weird part. No. Although it, Radio it does say that the, the Nazgul are kind of following them. But the only person right. who knows this is is, is uh, Mr. Elf Eyes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Nazgul feel bad. They lost their buddy or their leader. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what. Was their he, leader, was, yeah. His leader? Yeah. Oh, might be different then. Uh, so, like, everybody can feel the, like, unease that, that their presence brings. But they can't actually see them. So, in a way, uh, drone warfare. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know. There. So again, uh, on the the fourth day of uh, on the fourth day of the march to march the Morn. <laughs> Aragorn said to me, 
uh, everyone said to me, it's okay, son, if you're afraid, you can turn back. Uh, because what happens... Oh my God, again, that was the smoothest the- transition I've ever seen, Katie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did a good job. <laughs> I kind of destroyed but that I- transition, but continue. <laughs> yeah, you did, but that's okay. So anyway, yeah, so you were, as you were saying, the Nazgul are adding to this, like, sense of dread they all have. And, you know, they're they're getting close and the land is becoming more desolate and more, you know, unwelcoming. And they're, you know, getting n- near the gates of the pass of Kirith Gorgor. And some of the men, specifically the younger ones, just become paralyzed with fear. And uh, they they do not feel that they can go on. And Aragorn, our wonderful Aragorn, of course, takes pity on them and basically tells them they can turn back uh, and, you know, sh- should they wish to turn back, they can go back to Carandros and and go protect it so that they, you know, they still have a deed to do, right? Um, and some of them do, but at the same time, some of them are so inspired by this that they stay. And this is really interesting because... Again, this is not necessarily a battle or what they're doing right now is not necessarily a battle in hopes of winning. It is kind of a farce and everyone knows this. And I could see very much where he would be understandable in like, yeah, if you're afraid, I don't feel very comfortable with you going to the slaughter for what is inherently distraction that you don't even know what it's for, even though you don't know yeah, and again, we've 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 talked about this uh, a, a few times throughout our reading, but uh, again, this is a moment where people have free will and choice to do what they will, to act how they will, and they're given they're given a choice, um, and given that choice, they can they can do and and actually, bo- I mean, both of the you know, Aragorn says, you know, you you can turn back there's no and there will be no shame in it you have you, you can go back and help for, uh retake the um Karandros, which had been taken by the enemy uh and that's you know perfectly great and heroic um or they can continue to march to their death with the <laughs> with, with with the rest of the six thousand that they're down to now um and i think also it's very important that in this part too that Tolkien is making sure you know exactly what day it is and I feel like that is going to... I feel like a lot of stuff in this ch- chapter is not so much a self-contained thing as much as it is set up for what we're about to read next, which I'm not going to fully talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I feel like this amount of time is, and the fact that Tolkien is hammering it into us, that's going to pay off pretty soon. Well, we're going to understand exactly why that is. Because if you remember, a lot of the book two of The Two Towers happened like well after book one of The Two yeah, Towers exactly. ended. Mm-hmm. However, we're now well past where mm-hmm. book two of the two towers ended. So something has happened to Frodo and Sam, but we don't yet know. I mean, the hell, the Battle right. of Gondor, I feel like was well after. I'm looking the specifics up right now. Oh, so uh, yeah, yeah. You, you might want to have specifics. You two continue your conversation. I'll be back in like three minutes with those. <laughs> um, so they're... They're, uh, they, they, they camp, and then in the morning, they're continuing on, headed towards the Black Gate. And um, there is this uh, passage oh. that just 
I, I, I'm pretty sure you know which yeah, one I'm talking yes. about. But it's just, I like, again, there are certain passages throughout Lord of the Rings that all I can say is, wow, and this is one of them. And it was, uh, it's... It's just, it's just, it's just wow. So, um, uh, where is it here? Uh, all the night walkers were gone and the land seemed empty. North amid their noisome pits lay the first of the great heaps and hills of slag and broken rock and blasted earth, the vomit of the maggot folk of Mordor. But south and now near loomed the great rampart of Kirith Gorgor and the black gate amidmost, and the two towers of the teeth tall and dark upon either side. Uh, and I just, again, like the sounds, the sounds themselves have such weight to them well and then and then later on just like literally the next chapter as they get to the two towers of the chapter chapter paragraph, paragraph. <laughs> it's all con- conceptual we have to go deeper it's like inception when you go into the paragraph it becomes a chapter there you go so speaking of the towers of the teeth it says as they stood they saw saw all the nazgul get gathered together hovering above the towers of the teeth like vultures and they knew that they were watched, but still the enemy made no sign. Uh, yeah. The vomit of the maggot folk of Mordor was pretty great. For some reason, yeah. that got me to want to go come back home and play Dark Souls. I mean, we want to come back home and vomit. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we need to stop talking about vomit on this episode. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't have to feel like that since last Saturday. Anyway. Okay, <laughs> so I, I found that bit on the timeline that I was looking for. So, March 13th was Aragorn reaches Pelargir, captures the fleet. Theoden is in the forest where he they meet the uh, the Druidain. Druidain? I don't remember. Uh, that's when Faramir was wounded, and March 13th is when Frodo uh, was captured by the orcs. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's about... And then... Things up almost. And then March 14th is where the Rohirrim are traveling through the woods. The siege mm-hmm. of Minas Tirith begins, and when Sam finds out Frodo is still alive. Because okay. that happened kind of in the middle of yeah. the night, so Frodo's taken on that. So yep. I, I'm very curious about: does it exist? Does Tolkien's notes exist somewhere where you can see the like timelines and stuff he created to make sure everything kind of was syncing up properly? Surely, I've already talked about how much. Because yeah, yep. Anyway, there. Yes, that has to yes. exist. Pages and pages and pages of planning. <laughs> But anyway, so they are now and scribbles and notes and margins. They are now coming upon the, the black. Yeah, they're gate. coming. Yes. They're coming up to the black yes. gate. And um, again, like no sign of the enemy still, except for of course the the the, the creepy Nazgul who are perched up, you know, and they and, and uh, like hovering over. And them. the gate is shut. Mm-hmm. Like it is shut. There's nothing mm-hmm. going on. It is and, just Nazgul around, but whatever. No guards right. really either, and, right? Except for the Nazgul. Yeah, like nothing. Right, yeah. right, nothing. Compared to when Frodo and Sam were there last, it's very uh-huh. barren. Exactly. So that should tell you something that, um, you know, and again, as has been said, like the enemy clearly has a, a plan um, because he knows. Uh, so Aragorn kind of positions the armies as best he can, and the and now the captains ride toward the gate. And I just I, I love this. So we have Gandalf, Aragorn, Gimli, Legolas, Pippin, Eomer, 
Imrahil and uh, Elrond's sons, um, Eladon and Elrahir. So, of course, who are they? But they're representatives of each yeah. of the free peoples of Middle yeah. Earth. All, it's a, yeah, it says so that all of the enemies uh, of Mordor could, should have a witness. Yo, guys, exactly. I, I got yeah. such a chill down my spine when I read that part. That got to me. And yeah. then it says... Again, f- because why? Because we are stronger together and we must work together to defeat the greatest And evil. then it says, come forth, they cried. Let the Lord of the Black Land come forth. Uh, justice shall be done upon him. So... We're gonna, what made you laugh? We're going to talk about this in 11 weeks, but the moment in the Return of the King movie when they give this just to Aragorn rather than Terra Company, the mm-hmm. the Viggo Mortensen has always sounded like a redneck to me when he delivers that <laughs> line. And he's like, let the lore of the Black Gate come forth. I don't know. I can't do it, but it's just like, I ha- I also laughed when reading this line for that reason. I don't know if this is why Chase is laughing. But this nope, is why I not laugh. at all. I got something else in my brain. Um, but then what I actually liked about this is it says, wrongfully he made war upon Gondor and its land. Therefore, the king of Gondor demands that he should atone for his evils and depart then forever. Come forth. And actually... Yeah. Aragorn, Middle-earth sh- sh- sheriff. Well, I actually kind of like that this was just kind of like like a feudal, like, oh yeah, you uh, invaded my lands. Not like, oh, you're like a horrible, evil you know, representation of... The corruption of creation, but you know, it's because when you go out to serve a warrant, you have to display the active, yeah, <laughs> the active crimes. It's, it's <laughs> like when you, well, when you when you declare war on someone, you have to give a, a specific. And, and as you as you chain up a uh, an, an evil being, you have to read them their Morgothoranda rights. Yes, they have the right to remain yes. silent. They have right to a unearthly lawyer. You know, <laughs> there we go. They have a they have a right to have their Silmaril ripped from their crown. That's a right. <laughs> I was gonna say that is not a right. That's not a right. That seems like the punishment. <laughs> is that cruel and or unusual? That's like dropping. That's like dropping your weapon. You know. Anyway, you remember that bit in one of our Silmaril episodes episode where I was like, "Oh, poor Morgoth," and Katie got mad at me. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. Yeah, because you said, "Oh, poor Morgoth." Okay, come on. Are we not um, supposed to feel pity for Satan? I feel. I I I see where you're coming from on that one, John. I don't know how much I can feel sy- sympathy for Sauron, though. <laughs> Sauron seems way more evil than we, Morgoth. So in our in our cover band uh, about Lord of the Rings, we're gonna have a uh, the song "Sympathy for Sauron." No, did you not hear what I just said? It was a Rolling Stones joke. <laughs> Therefore, the King of Gondor but, demands that he should atone for his evil. So yeah, then so anyway, this yeah this um this declaration is made. You know, uh, open the doors, come forth, and. Long silence. Because Sauron has comedic and, timing. Um, yeah, and and there's a note the you know that the, the narrator gives us that basically Sauron is playing with them, uh, before killing them. So Sauron is uh, a cat. Or, or it, it, it is his plan exactly. Yeah, he's More a like cat meowing. playing with with with. Oh no! Oh jeez. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we get that note, and then the gate opens, and this, like, embassy comes forth. And uh, we are introduced to the lieutenant of the Tower of Baradur, and he's this, like, tall, black, whatever, (laughs) that's, like, not a ring wraith. Um, he's a dude like he's a, he's a he's man a dude. yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. specifically though uh, it says it is told that he was a renegade 
who came of mm-hmm. the race of those that are named the Black Numenorians, for they established their dwellings in Middle Earth during the years of Sauron's domination, and they worshipped him. Right. So, do we remember the Akalabath? Mm-hmm. I actually kind of remembered this. That actually sparked some uh, twinge of memory in in me. Yeah, that there was a faction uh, of the yeah. Numenorians. A, a faction? Who, I mean, it was like a majority. It was a good well, amount. Yeah, yeah. And this was where we started uh, talking about like how the. Correct me if I'm wrong. They were some of the first men to fall prey to the darkness of Morgoth and Sauron. Right? Is that correct? Or would that have previously happened? I mean, men in Middle-earth had never been, like, pure. But these specifically were the Numenorians, who were, like, the elevated race of men. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just specifically the Numenorians that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, this 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 dude, this lieutenant, uh, he's he's on this like horse, but it's this horrible looking horse who's got like a head like a skull and like flames shooting out of his nostrils and stuff. Tolkien and, even kind of goes, um, "It's a horse, maybe." <laughs> yeah, exactly. he doesn't really go into maybe full detail exactly what it is. There's, like revelations yeah. up in here. And yeah, and this lieutenant, um, I, I I really liked this note that like even he doesn't remember his name. Yeah, like he 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 may have had a name, but even he doesn't remember like it anymore. That, uh, and he says, it's "Like that Carrie Underwood song." No, he doesn't even remember uh, his name. Uh, to, to be fair, my brain went to David Cronenberg, so I just thought of like, like this is some Cronenberg stuff. But he says, "I am the mouth of Sauron." And uh, yeah, then and then we have this great image of like the banner of the House of Elendil. Oh, that gave me sh- that gave me shivers. Opposed, yeah, opposed against the banner with the red evil eye. It just mm, yeah. Um. And yeah, this 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 lieutenant of Mordor, the the mouth of Sauron, kind of looks this. Uh alliance of of the free peoples of middle earth up and down and laughs and mocks them takes that warrant and just throws in the ground (laughs) you're not gonna get me and my boss for racketeering and yeah he he specifically mocks aragorn who then has this odd like staring contest Mm -hmm. with him kind of which is great uh, Aragorn just kind of stares him down and holds his gaze. And what's great is that in response to this, like the mouth of Sauron, he kind of holds Aragorn's gaze for a while, but then he has to look away. He like he seems kind of frightened. Um, but then he he uh, chastises Aragorn for this, you know, um, says, "I am a herald and ambassador, and may not be assailed." Uh, to which Gandalf subsequently schools him yes of course and and uses a great word insolence he says uh, it is also custom for ambassadors to use less insolence (laughs) um so i I, again like one of my favorite things is when gandalf instead of using like magic or whatever uses words and wit and this is you know just like with the balrog what did gandalf use but words and now against this like gross dude uh the mouth of sauron same thing gandalf gets into a a a battle of words with him i almost can't help like this guy is a real slimy character and i really love him um i I just kind of for some reason my brain if i was making a movie out of this i would cast joe pesci 
I don't know why that was the that was the constant image and the voice that was coming to mind when I was reading this section. I would cast Edward Furlong directly out of Terminator Two. All right. No, I wouldn't. Uh, I couldn't see that. Um, uh, so, where are we? But well, so so Gandalf has 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 told you know this ambassador. Well, don't be so stupid, and um. The uh, and this ambassador or uh, the, uh, messenger, whatever we want to call him, now says um, that he he once again calls out Gandalf for being this wanderer and uh, like a, 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 a trickster and kind of stuff like that, and then says that and, and a manipulator and says that you've overstepped your bounds this time, basically. And then he produces some items. Sorry, before before we touch before upon them. these items, the way you talk about Gandalf, or not the way you talk about Gandalf, the way the mouth of Sauron talks about Gandalf makes me think of Henry Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Greybeard. You're much of a trickster. <laughs> but what are these items? Yeah. So withdraws uh, uh, presents them with three items uh the first of which being a sword is it sting no it was the sword that sam had which you you get that anywhere anyone could have that (laughs) and then uh produces a cloak was it any cloak was it any cloak no it had an elven brooch yeah the hobbits are dropping those all over the place whatever but you get that anywhere finally and finally produces a rather curious object. A mithril undercoat. A mithril coat, yeah, that clearly was Frodo's and is also, like, covered in his, like, sh- sh- tattered shreds of his clothing, I think. And that this thing that had once belonged to Bilbo that was from the dwarves and all this stuff, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's more singular. That's pretty definitive. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, what is our group of heroes' response to this? Uh, their hearts were dead and their last hope gone. Even like Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, even Gandalf. Well, we're dead. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, because, again, you know, this is a horrible, horrible sign for Frodo. And a really bad thing happens right here. Pippin reacts. Um, yeah. He doesn't react well. And it kind of helps them play into the mouth of Sauron's hands a little bit. Yeah, kind of. Um and but then and and then the mouth of Sauron says something that I think we all should immediately take offense to. Um he said he says he kind of wonders why Gandalf values these hobbits because he says, "Oh, you've got another one with you. Why do you value these hobbits and uh, send them in as spies? And that and that doing this was foolish and clearly they're of no value." Well, and, and then I like that he says that specifically not only are you sending them as spies, but like you're committing conspiracy against us. Yeah, like dude, be talking like Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and then. Additionally, you know, the mouth of Sauron, he also says, also, because of this little one's reaction, now I know that, uh, that, that clearly the, the other small hobbit that we took these tokens from, I know what he means and what he means to you. And I know that you're deeply affected by this. So Um, now this is what's going to happen. You guys are going to 
get out of here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to extend our no, land. It's, sorry, it's, it's not you guys. It's the rabble of Gondor and its deluded allies. So I was yeah. thinking it's still Joe Pesci in my head. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you all need to back up. So now I'm just imagining that the mouth of Siren is from Pittsburgh. And he's like the rabble of Gondor and Yens. <laughs> <laughs> and so... How much land is he like saying? No, no, you're gonna give me a whole bunch of land. Like he all tells like all the way, all the, all the way to the Anduin, and then like basically most of the rest of the lands of men west of the Anduin shall be kind of like a no man's land. Mm-hmm. You can't have armies. Also, you're gonna have to rebuild Isengard, and Sauron's gonna put a new lieutenant in there, mm-hmm. heavily implying that it's gonna be the mouth of Sauron. And, and this uh, is for like, one spy, yes. who we may or may not let go of. Yes, and. Uh, Gandalf, you know, hears this. <gasps> is oh my god! What? This just made me think. This is like uh, the irrational demand that the AI presents to you in Civilization Five, and I wonder if there is a mod for the War of the Ring. No, yeah, that if I can play as characters from Mass Effect, you could probably play as characters from War of the Rings. Oh my god! But weird how I I got exactly <laughs> what you meant by that. Um. But the real question is, and 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 I think Gandalf even is kind of sensing this as well. Um, and this is something I was kind of noting as well. It's like, wh- why does now? Okay, hold on. I need to word that phrase that better. Um, <laughs> why is it now that Sauron is making demands? Well. Let's I mean, tr- traditionally, that that, that 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 made me kind of go something. Well, I mean, this is not right about all th- of this. Well, no, this is also just like kind of traditional warfare. Like, yeah, you, you meet, you you find a battleground, you meet, you discuss your terms, you refuse the terms, you go back to your armies, and then you fight. Yeah, but this is Sauron we're talking about. This is the dude who's kind of done all sorts of. I mean, yes, deception being one of them, but also just and overwhelmingly, well, everything is. Not think about it. everything is kind of working out how he usually does it. He's dissipating, he's dissipating, decimating their hope, and he's using deception, and he's using a whole bunch of things. So there might be something there. It just, it all just, everything about it seems weird and off. Well, I I will say that the enemy is concerned because again he he doesn't he doesn't realize what they're doing. He believes that they are here as a last stand to challenge. Yes, as a last stand to challenge him, and that Aragorn seeks the ring to use it against him. Yes. So again, the enemy is not uh, privy to what we are and the purpose of this of this mission. Yeah. And what I love about this, uh, they <laughs> Tolkien keeps reusing this phrase, which we met. Heard when we first like learned about the Towers of the Teeth, but Kirith Gorgor, which mm-hmm. you remember Kirith Ungal, which is you know kind of the cleft of the spider. Kirith mm-hmm. Gorgor is the cleft of terror. Mm-hmm. It's also what I call my thigh gap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that choked me. Uh, oh, jeez. Okay. So, so what does Gandalf anyway, say to all this? Anyway, yeah, what does Gandalf do? Gandalf rejects these terms. <laughs> and I, I, you know, Gandalf, Gandalf is, bites um, his thumb at him. Uh, Gandalf is very crafty at, at, in, in this moment. He, so 
he manages to hide this, you know, th- th- they all had, they all had a reaction, right, when they, when they saw Frodo's possessions, right? But Gandalf kind of is playing it as best he can, and he, he rejects the terms, and he says, well, these are very high demands for, you know, one prisoner, um, and so he's basically feigning that they don't value Frodo that much, mm-hmm. and, uh, Gandalf is kind of happy to note that the messenger is sort of momentarily thrown off. Yeah, by that really, response, very much is. Um, and and then kind of he regroups and you know lashes out at Gandalf and um, then reuses this word insolence, which great like echo. I like it. Uh, he says, "Do not bandy in your words and your insolence with the mouth of Sauron." Uh, surety you crave Sauron gives none if you sue for his clemency you must first do his bidding these are the terms take them or leave them and Gandalf's response is perfect because he says these we will take in regard to Frodo's possessions but we're not taking your your terms um yeah take they they takes Frodo's possessions and then again uses his words against the enemy um, says, these we will take in memory of our friend, but as for your terms, we reject them utterly. Get you gone, for your embassy is over and death is near to you. We did not come here to waste words and treating with Sauron, faithless and accursed, still less with one of his slaves. Be gone. So, what did Gandalf tell the Balrog? Be gone. Go back to the shadow. What does Gandalf tell the mouth of Sauron? Be gone. We're not here to deal with you. I... I just love Gandalf's like combat strategy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He he's, he knows he's dealing with a bluffer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also again, Sauron's a liar. Mm-hmm. Like so much so that anything that that's what I'm talking about when it comes down to why is he talking when we know everything that he's going to be saying is a lie. Like it's like this has already failed kind of thing for him. And especially, it's all weird. Well, but that's when. But that's when. I, is it around this point? No. Let, well, so so Gandalf kind of does his thing, and basically the mouth of Mordor. I mean, the mouth of God. Sauron is terrified <laughs> and kind of like just like says he gave a great cry and turned, leaped upon a steed, and galloped madly back to Kirith Gorgor. Yeah, but at this exact moment. uh it says his soldiers blew their horns and signal long arranged. And even before they came to the gate, Sauron sprang his trap. So then we hear these kind of huge thunder of drums and the, 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 the great doors swing wide open. And also like an army of Easterlings like comes out of like, they were hiding kind of on this far side of the, of the, mm-hmm. of the, of the, the, the cleft of terror. And um, so we had that calm before the storm, and now we're in we're in the thick of it. And and once again, it's compared to a uh, flood. Uh, yeah. yeah. But this time it says uh, it streamed a great host as swiftly as swirling waters when a sluice is lifted. Mm-hmm. So if you remember when we talked about the uh, the Rohirrim and like them coming to the aid of Gondor. It was specifically like the rising tide and yeah. then a roaring wave. But yeah. here it is a flood that is caused when you lift a gate and a dam. Yeah. Now, how interesting is that? Yeah. Using the it's, same comparison, but one is natural and one is not. Yes. 
I wonder what exactly. Tolkien thinks of the Army Corps of Engineers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that again, that's the thing. Sauron is the enemy of the natural world. Well, and also, I've I, we've we've talked about previously about rampant industrialism mm-hmm. um, as yeah. a, as a metaphor for him. I still don't say pure and I don't say pure industrialism because I feel like Tolkien's smart enough to understand that some is necessary, but it's exploitive. But but can yes. Yes. Well, so then basically it says that the army of the West is surrounded by enemies 10 times their might and more than 10 times their might. And then it says, I love this so much. Sauron had taken their proffered bait in jaws of steel. Mm -hmm. Because they are completely, this this is coming in from all sides. This is, this is the full might. And then this part gave me goosebumps. Little time was left to Aragorn for the ordering of his battle. Upon the one hill he stood with Gandalf, and there, fair and desperate, was raised the banner of the tree and stars. Upon the other hill, hard by, stood the banners of Rohan and Dol Amroth, the white horse and silver swan. Mm-hmm. So, then, basically, there, yeah, all the, yeah, our our little host is completely surrounded by a ring of 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 the enemy. But 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 what happened? Uh, when there was a great battle at, at, at the end of The Hobbit, uh, whose perspective do we get? A hobbit's. What happens when there's well, a great battle at the Morinon? Whose perspective do we get? Wait, hold on. It was Bilbo's, right? No, the Morinon is what we're reading right now. Oh, right. No, yeah, right pi- sorry. Mm-hmm. Pippin. Yes. We go to Pippin. So the battle is about to Bilbo. begin, and we switch to Pippin. But unlike Bilbo, who gets knocked out by a cold uh, stone and doesn't see anything happen, Pippin. Oh, oh, oh! Pip, yeah, so, Pip, so Pippin. Pippin says Pippin, to himself, "I wish Mary were here." Yeah, because so Pippin. Pippin is like has resolved himself to to stand and fight, and he's standing next to Baragond again st- with with Baragond, um, and and he's he's resolved to die. And so um, Pippin says all hope is lost. to himself, you know, I wish Mary were here. Hashtag Team Perry. Uh, <laughs> and then he says, well, now at any rate, I understand Denethor a little better. We might die together, Mary and I, if we mm-hmm. have to. So I wish you were here. That. But then, mm. oh, I love this bit so much. Pippin drew out his sword. Yes. Which, if we remember, his friend Mary used to kill the Nazgul. Uh-huh. And... And Sam's copy was just delivered to us. So mm-hmm. these three swords, uh, Pippin pulls his out and it says the intertwining shapes of red and gold and the flowing characters of Numor glinted like fire upon the blade. This which, was made for just such an hour, he thought, if only I could smite that foul messenger with it. Which glinting like fire upon the blade. Again, what is aragorn's sword called anduriel flame of the west and these are uh, just you know these are ancient numenorean blades too designed specifically to smite yes Ugh. yes also i, I mean it, it to me it also invoked sting mm-hmm. so yeah yeah and yeah uh I, I I like Pippin wishing also that he could kill the messenger so that he could be even with Mary in yes. in, in deeds in battle. Uh, but he says, you know, basically he's thinking I'm I'm going to put it to good use anyway. And so now these like a host of orcs pour out and over the hill. What is the uh, mass noun for orc? What the group noun for orc? 
a atrocity of orcs. An atrocity of orcs. <laughs> I like go. I'm going to nominate corruption. A corruption okay, of orcs. Everybody tell us what is the group noun name for orcs. Yes, that is our poll question for this week. Please tweet yeah. at us. I love yeah. these. I love Please these so us. much. Uh, but anyway, uh, orcs and also hill trolls of Gorgoroth come. And so the trolls, like one of them just knocks Baragon down and goes to bite mm. his throat. Because, because that's, that's what, what trolls do. do. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. And Pippin's not going to have that. He stabs the troll with his sword and, like, you know, vitally injures it. It, like, pierces into him and, like, blood pours out. Ugh. And uh, so the troll then falls forward, crushing them both under under him. And Pippin thinks to himself, so it ends as I guessed it would. Mm-hmm. But then what happened and the battle at the end of the hobbit what is the name of the battle what is the name of the chapter what is the name of the abhorrent third movie five armies who were the yep. five armies battle of the five Armies. Uh, yeah it was it was the dwarfs it was the elves it was the men from lake town or whatever mm-hmm. um and then it was the other contingency of dwarfs no the goblins no, who, who were they, they? It, okay so it was so we had elves men, men dwarves, dwarves. Goblins. Um, oh yeah, goblins. Yeah. And, then and then at the last the, minute, the fifth army came those, in. Those eagles. And what happens here? The eagles yes. are coming. Well, yeah. So Pippin is like, you know, saying goodbye to the world and feeling also that like basically his soul feels happy in this moment that he's he's done. He's complete. He's done. And he because again he he feels that you know all hope is lost. Everything's gone. Everything's turning dark. And Pippin hears voices shouting, "The eagles are coming," and he immediately thinks of Bilbo, and. You know, remembers that story, but then instantly corrects himself and says, "No, this this is my story." But now it's over, and I don't know, like if uh, I'm no, the only definitely, one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. like getting and, a little misty eyed over here. And and then and then and then you turn the page and you see a big blank page that says book six. Yeah, yeah. Mic drop. And it, <sighs> yeah. Tolkien really knows when to end a narrative, well, when to switch a narrative. <laughs> Indeed, and that's what I and I knew was going to happen. Yeah. I knew going into this chapter that no matter what, it we was weren't going to get resolution. No, it was going to be this massive cliffhanger. Well, because what happened at the end of last book? Sam finds out Frodo is yeah, alive, and exactly. then yep. cut to black. Yep, that's how that's how we uh, transition between books here in in Lord of the Rings land. Yes. Uh. <laughs> so I actually. When I first invoked the Bilbo reference, you know, um, when I was like, hey, what happens? We switched to Bilbo's narrative. I actually wasn't meaning to presage what happened here. I was just kind of remembering and noting that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that does happen. So mm-hmm. uh, clearly parallelism is is, is, is is working in Tolkien's favor here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I have any specific favorite moment other than like some of the passages I wrote. Uh, I, I like the... Really, I just like the imagery of like the standards of Dol Amroth and Gondor and Rohan together, and also yeah. the representation of all of the free peoples of Middle Earth. <laughs> you just remind me what I was laughing about earlier. <laughs> Would you like to share with the class? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just reading today about bacteria and that 
in our days or our time of globalization we have now they um they were doing cultures of bacteria on people's bodies and they found on one person in their and they was taking swabs from people's belly buttons and they found on one person they had uh, specific microbes that only found in japan and that person was like i've never been to japan they're like well if this is globalization this is what happens (laughs) okay that's what made me laugh okay i have no idea what that had it didn't that's the thing it didn't it didn't it was completely (laughs) random it just popped in my brain um well i think my favorite uh part from the text this week was just the um the fear and uncertainty in the mouth of sauron um and particularly because again what causes this is like words and also the 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 way that they look because he kind of again like he has this like odd sort of stare down with with Aragorn that he can't hold and then you know Gandalf kind of battles him with words a little bit and then uh the mouth of Sauron is like just looking at all the captains and then is just stricken with fear yeah uh and I really like that all right any uh any other things to add or shall we I well the only thing I have is I just I just liked this is not a specific like scene or anything like that. I just like the description of that area with the vomit of the maggot folk of Mordor and the broken rock and blasted earth. I just loved all of that. Of course I, I did. I knew that would be. Of course I did. I, yeah. I knew that would be Chase's favorite. up my alley. I like descriptions like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, Chase is really enjoying playing. I with get my... to see John's book and it looks like a party exploded on it. Because I use little te- flags and yeah, my there's a lot of them. You know, I it's should. All multicolored we should too. we should pick a charity after we finish this and raffle this book off. We really should, because look at what you did with that. I actually didn't even start this until the first hundred pages, so yeah, maybe I could go through and redo it. Anyway, uh, I have just a brief favorite, uh, not something new from the past week of my life, but mm-hmm. I did say that I was going to talk about the Rhine later on, and here I am. Uh, mm-hmm. It is Rhine time. Okay, so I was in a discussion with a coworker, friend, friend worker, co slash bud, and he was saying he's trying to get into poetry. So I brought him uh, a volume of T.S. Eliot, The Wasteland. I'm, it's a little low hanging fruit, but The Wasteland was the first poem that I like was ever really kind of made to like sit down and actually like butt heads with. And you and know, it's great. Well, yeah. So one, I forgot how dang bleak it is, but two. As I was reading The Wasteland, uh, there the third section, he's talking about the Thames, you know, TSL moved to London, blah, 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 talking about the Thames. And then out of nowhere is this random text, which looks totally, totally, and it looks like gibberish. And it's like, la 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 Leia, basically, which meant nothing to me in 2009 when I first read this. But I'm sitting here now reading it, and I see that, and I'm like, oh my God, is that what I think that is? So I immediately flip to the end of uh, the end section of the book where there's like a reference of works cited and it confirms what I thought. It is a citation from The Ring Cycle by Wagner. So I didn't get into opera until three years ago. So four years after I originally read The, the, uh, the Wasteland. So at first I thought, I, I, I immediately recognized the quote as being from the Rhine Maidens. So at first I thought that it was from Das Rheingold, which is the beginning of the ring cycle in which uh, the Nibelung, the little grubby little dwarf, finds a magic lump of gold in the 
turns it into a ring that then rules the conquest and destiny, blah, blah, blah. Like clearly this inspired uh, or informs Tolkien, I should and it's say. And we have talked about previously on the podcast. Yes. Too. Mm-hmm. So I first thought that this quote was from Das Rangold, which is the beginning, which is like, you know, the corruption of, 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 a uh, of the Rhine, like, you know, the natural wonder of it being stolen, the Rhine gold being stolen and corrupted. I thought that's what this is from, but then I looked it up and it's not. Because what the Rhine Maidens say is Walla Walea or something like that. But in Gotterdammerung at the end, they say Walla Lea. It sounds the same, but it's like two syllables different. I don't speak German. It's not <laughs> gibberish anyway. But specifically, it's from Gotterdammerung, which if you don't speak German, you might know Ragnarok, especially if you're a fan of the Thor movies. Yeah. Uh, basically, Gotterdammerung is German for Twilight of the Gods. And the Rhine Maidens come back because they're celebrating the return of the Rhine Gold. So I had this huge realization. I was like, oh my God. You know, I, I, I got this reference in a poem that I didn't get the first time I read it. And it really informed my understanding of, 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 of the third section of the wasteland because all of a sudden I was like, holy crap. Because I had invested 16 hours in the ring cycle and I was like, wow. T.S. Eliot is comparing the Thames to the Rhine in the in the ring cycle. And, you know, my first thought was like, oh, he's talking about the river when it gets corrupted. And then I looked it up and I was like, no, he's talking about the destruction of society, renewing it. And I was like, oh God, that's so bleak. It's really informed my reading of that poem. And I had this huge explosion of like, oh, you know? So to to, to, put, to put cap on this, T.S. Eliot is famous for writing a, an essay called... Uh, individual intent in the artist or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically in which he states that all art is elusive. And once you allude to an original work of art, you will basically f- change the meaning of that forever. And in that moment when I was reading the wasteland and I saw that and I had this flash of insight, it happened to me. So even though I had already read the wasteland and even though I had already seen the ring cycle, and even though I had already read this essay, I never really put it all together until this moment of insight I had last night. Isn't it great when you have a eureka moment? <laughs> yes. Basically, though, like, to put a cap on all of this, I know I just said that phrase two seconds ago. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, I really, I mean, I've been trying to see things, you know, like clearly and optimistically because of the um, events I've been going through. But I've really started to notice that a lot of seeds I planted, you know, 10 years ago, seven years ago, four years ago, one year ago are starting to blossom and come to fruition today and really, really improve my life. And so the fact that, you know, a poem I read seven years ago and an opera I saw three years ago come together today for, it's just like, oh, it's amazing. Your life is so much longer than you realize it is. And I don't mean that in a bad way. All of these things that you do, everything you've done, everything comes together and it is beautiful. That's almost like an aspect of like, hey, kids, this is what growing up's like, where you start to look at your life as a whole and you can, and you're able to make, you're able to make, you're actually able to make that comment uh, and realize that random random stuff that you've picked up along the way was not, it wasn't for not like there was something to it yeah so i was i was 
you know, I'm I'm 27. That's not old. It's it's old. It's you know, it's late 20s. It's I think when people start to like start feeling yeah, old, and I definitely yeah. start feeling old. But moments like these make it worth it because it's not like it's not doom and gloom. It's not disaster. It's like I'm mature and informed, and I understand things in a way that I never have before. I am going to try to remember this the next time that I am lying face down on my floor having an existential crisis. <laughs> Just listen to this episode. Um, and then one fun little uh, misheard slip today. I was walking by, uh, I was walking about 15 feet behind two of my friends and they were talking about the boardwalks of the Jersey Shore. But I, that's not what I heard. I thought they said the the warlocks of the Jersey Shore. It's like a, that's like a, that's like a, I don't know. <laughs> so then it turned into like a, uh, we, I, I was like, did you just say the warlocks of the Jersey Shore? And then we like came up with a LARP for, for the <laughs> Jersey Shore and like tell about like, like bros and stuff. And then like you have a magical rum ham and it just spiraled out of control. I love the idea of magical rum ham. So we need to, we need, we need to make this rum LARP. ham is magical. So yeah. But I'm going to stop now because I've I've spoken past my turn. Well, I don't really have much of anything from this week. Uh, I had kind of another busy week, but I guess um, Stranger Things is still my favorite thing of the week because I'm still watching it. I, I've watched, uh, I think I'm into like episodes five, five or six now, but um, it, I, it, it's great. I'm going to finish it and then I'm going to watch it again probably because uh, I feel like it's one of those that you're going to have to watch again. But yeah. uh, they but they've already been renewed for season 2, so hooray. I'm very I haven't finished it either. Um I'm still exactly where I was last week cuz I've not been feeling like watching that show right now. Um but, but but I did finally get Chase to watch a show he had sworn he wouldn't watch. I wasn't that I swore I wouldn't okay. watch it just didn't interest you, me. You didn't think you would like. And I'm also still like and it ended up being like I thought it was pretty good at, in, in the second season and really great and had some like highlight moments, but I still don't think it's actually my favorite thing of the week. Yes. Earlier <laughs> today, you told me it was. Yeah, I changed my mind because I okay. finished something. Well, I did get Chase to watch Rick and Morty. Spoiler alert: he likes the second season. But finish what you were saying, Katie. Oh, I was finished. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did watch Rick and Morty this uh, this past week, and it did not. I was more watching it not because I thought it was good, but I thought it was. I was very interested to see how messed up it got, which it definitely does. Um, it didn't really start to like click for me until the end of the first season, and throughout the second season. Um, I, I still think it's a little overhyped, but that's just that's just me. Um, but I still think it's a really good show. Like I think it's really good and not well worth watching for. And I still like the dynamic between the two main characters. Uh, particularly reminds me of something I need to show you when we get done. What's amazing about that though is Rick and Morty are voiced by the same guy. Yeah, it blows my mind because I assumed one of them was was voiced by Dan Harmon. Nope, not at all. Um, I also like all the references that that show makes. That they make some very specific references. Um, it reminds me a lot of Venture Bros. Like watch Venture Bros. when it was first airing because they made a like the the Venture Brother references are deep and only people like me get. Um, but really, my favorite thing from this week was still also trying to get my feet under me living in New York City, which has been great and also been very hard, but also kind of a blessing. Um, just thinking back to the night I stayed out till five in the morning um, drinking with pe- with friends on last Saturday. But uh, I 
bought a book when I first got here and I read the whole thing in the past, like, I don't know, four days, I think, um, called Guts by Julia Enders. And I don't know if anyone has heard about this or knows about me, but I am massively interested in the human digestive system. And I've read as much as I can on it. And this is a new book and it compiles a whole bunch of new information we have about um, the human digestive system, specifically the large intestines. And it's written with um, Julian Enders is a doctor, uh, but she writes in a very like she she her sister was basically her editor and helped her cobbled together to be a little bit more readable by regular people. But it's basically the most recent knowledge we have about the human digestive system. And it's a, it was a really great read for someone like me. I just I just and I just devoured this book and learned a whole lot of new things that I did not know because a lot of them are from research that was done in 2013 and 2014. So these are brand new revelations we have about how our body processes foods. And some of them I think are incredibly radical and we're going to, I think we're about to see how hu- how we view human anatomy in a very different light over the next five years because of this new information, uh, particularly how stuff like how our uh, digestive system in particular our large intestines has the biggest collection of nerves in our body besides our brain. And some scientists and doctors are starting to speculate that we actually have a second brain that this is starting to constitute as a second brain in humans. And I can't fully ex- express the logic on in a, in a few, in a few seconds or minutes, but stuff like that was incredibly intriguing. And also she gets kind of philosophical about the nature of existence in relation to our large intestines. And it's great and fascinating. And I was freaking out over it. So that was a great book. I've been reading on the subway as I've been riding back and forth, trying to figure out where I am now. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to add? Bagels are great. Yes. <laughs> yes. You finally, you finally get it. Oh, I, I went to you ba- finally get to get it. I got, I went to bagel bobs. I got scallion. Um, That's the best. Everything the scallion, was scallion. Cream cheese. Everything was scallion cream cheese. That's my order. Really? <laughs> but unlike you, I do not toast it because I'm not a human. I didn't toast it. Oh, I thought Don't you said Don't talk about it. carbs. No, I'm not no. eating carbs this week. Okay. This is the one I was giving me myself this week. So, do you remember at the end of last week, I, I left you with the tease, Chase? Talking about the title of book six. Oh, yes. Yeah, I still don't know what it's called. Do you have any idea? No, because my book just says book six. All right. Well, <laughs> we've ended book five. So, next week, we're going to start chapter one of book six. So named... The end of the third age. That's a cool name. That is a metal <laughs> name. Now, do you remember what began the third age? It was the fall. Was it the fall of Sauron? The first time? I'm trying to remember from, right. from the from the Lore of the Rings episode. Uh so the the first age were the years of the trees. Yes. Uh, and it ended, not when the trees were destroyed, but with the War of Wrath. Okay, yeah, the, I remember that. Yes, the second age began with the War of Wrath and ended with the downfall of Sauron. So I was right. Yes. Yeah, okay. So the third age begins with the downfall of Sauron and ends with 
a big we question mark in the yeah. sky. <laughs> what did you say? I said a big question mark in the sky. Big question mark in the sky. And now, I'm, now, big... I'm, uh, now I'm thinking of Constantine in the Battle of the Melvian Bridge. I thought you said a big pie in the sky. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. would, that would be delicious. Speaking of delicious, I've been making like a stew in the background. It smells amazing. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> Katie, you want to take it away? Yes. So once again, before we leave, we would like to give a thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for uh, kindly donating to uh our cause which is uh editing and maintaining our podcast we really appreciate it so much thank you so much to ryan hepler brian osborne kevin reynolds dana victor jason savage mike williams anna dunlaney ji ying fua kyle thompson michael smith Tariq, ignatius pendergraph devin devin man ariel alm charlie Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, and Michael Laney. Raise the roof. All of the names. All right. Well, I kind of jumped the gun, but join us next week where we will be reading book one of, I mean, chapter one of books. Well, (laughs) we're we're going back to the beginning of the fellowship. We're going to start all over. Okay. We're going to reinform ourselves. Okay. (laughs) Chapter one of... Book six. Book six. The Tower of Kirith Ungal. Not surprised by that. Not surprised at all. <laughs> all right. See you next week, everyone. I am John. I am Katie. And I am Chase. And the Blue Jays are beating the Astros. Thank <laughs> God. All right. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at talkingtolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page, where you can donate as little as $1 per month help our podcast grow through your generous support we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment helping us bring you a better sounding more professional podcast nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far 